Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Wurstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company, and now I'm sharing these systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. Welcome to episode 239. In this episode, we'll be diving deeper into the world of search engine optimization for jewelry marketing. In the last episode, I gave you a taste of what SEO is and how it works. But in this episode, I'm gonna take it to the next level by showing you exactly how to conduct keyword research and find the perfect SEO-driven content ideas for your jewelry brand. Now, I know we briefly touched on the concept of keywords in the last episode, but today I'm gonna dive in in much greater detail. I'm gonna teach you how to tailor your jewelry marketing content to rank higher in Google search results and give you the best possible chance of getting discovered by potential customers. And the best part? You don't need to spend a fortune to do this. With a little bit of creativity, and a deep understanding of your target audience, which I've been stressing throughout the Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart program, you'll be able to find plenty of low cost or even free ways to improve your SEO game. So get ready to take your jewelry brand to the next level. I'll be covering why it's important to be thoughtful about keyword research and proactive about finding content opportunities, if you're serious about taking advantage of SEO, where to find content ideas as well as keywords and how to choose the right ones for your jewelry brand, and how to see what your competitors are doing, and then how to know if it's actually worth trying to one-up your competitors with your content. From now through early July of this year, I'm offering a free, yes, free, six-month podcast-guided program called Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart. If you're new to this, it involves weekly audio and video lessons just like this one, but when you're enrolled in the program, you also get companion PDF downloads for each new episode. And to do that, all you have to do is visit joyjoya.com jump, and you'll get access to a Google Drive folder that has all the worksheets. I believe there are 14 now, going back to the beginning of this year, that guide you in a stepwise approach from beginning until now, through July. We're getting into go time now with these really hands-on lessons for jewelry entrepreneurs just like you. To sign up for the free full program right now and unlock all of those worksheets, all you have to do is visit joyjoya.com jump and you'll find that link in the show notes as well. But before we get to the solid gold today, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform 
or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. If you wanna watch the videos, I'm capitalizing on the Barbie core trend today and wearing some very pink lipstick. But I like to think for me, Barbie core is just more of my normal lifestyle. Anyway, I'm having a lot of fun with that. You can support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave a review, I might read it on a future episode. So please let me know what you think about this episode or any other major takeaways you've had recently. Speaking of podcasts, did you know I also co-host another podcast with jewelry marketer Liz Kantner? It's called Success with Jewelry. Search for it on YouTube, search for it on Apple Podcasts. We've already released 32 free episodes and we have an insider community where we share access to extended in-depth episodes with me and Liz giving you hands-on guidance and the opportunity to interact with other jewelry entrepreneurs just like you. Visit successwithjewelry.com to learn more about that. Okay, my sparklers, let's get into the next installment of Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart, which is all about keyword research and uncovering content opportunities that could benefit your jewelry brand in Google search engine results. That means you can rank higher for relevant keywords, and the best part, get shown to more people in your target audience who are already looking for you, who have high intent to purchase. Why is it important to be thoughtful about keyword research and proactive about finding these content opportunities if you are really serious about taking advantage of the benefits of SEO? So, As you probably know, if you've tried before, creating content for your website can take a lot of time and resources. So if you're going to do it, you wanna make sure you're choosing the right topics and approaching the content in the right way. That, my friends, is really the main point I want you to take away from this (laughs) lecture I'm about to give you. I find that a lot of jewelry brands just give up on content because it feels like a lot of effort with little reward. And I'm not gonna lie to you, it is a lot of effort, but the way to make it have a reward and to make it pay dividends for you is to do it thoughtfully and with a strategy and with the best, like, intentions behind it or there will be little reward. You'll find yourself spinning your wheels. If you know where you want to focus and what your target audience wants as well as how they may be looking for the products you carry, then the effort that you put into making content will pay off in dividends. But I don't want you to waste your time on shoddy content that you're just making because you're checking a box of Larissa told me to make content because nobody wants that. So we're going to talk about how to do this the smart way. 
I've already talked in past episodes about how to optimize your website content. That was in number 237. So we're gonna take that one step further and now do this whole process with SEO on the top of mind, especially if you as a brand are trying to pursue better search rankings for your jewelry website. And if you go back to the last episode 238, I talked about how you can decide whether or not that is right for you because this isn't right for everyone. Every jewelry brand has different goals. They're at different stages of growth. They have different products. They're serving different customers. So you have to individually decide whether this will be worth the effort and resonate with your target customers. You can go back to the last episode to kind of hear the considerations that I'd want you to take before you make this decision. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, I wanna talk about where can you find content ideas as well as keywords? And then how do you choose from those, from the big list, the ones that are really right for your brand? So let's talk first about those initial content and keyword ideas. Back in episode 235, I covered how you can generate that initial brainstorm of jewelry marketing content ideas. And I think if you haven't listened to that episode, or even if you have, go back to it. That's an amazing place to start for your SEO content jewelry. You're going to return to that brainstorm of topics that you'd love to explore, that you think your audience would resonate with, And then you're going to add another layer of thought and research to them to make sure they are viable from an SEO perspective. And in this process, you're not gonna need any fancy tools, any expensive tools, any complicated tools. Google what you already use every day, multiple times a day, is going to be your best friend here. You're going to want to search Google for keywords and phrases that may somehow be related to your products. And that's going to be different from the brand over here to the brand over there. So you have to look at your own products, your own offerings, and decide if someone were to search for these things and find us, what would be some of the things they would type into Google if they were looking for what we sell. So let's pretend you offer handcrafted engagement rings. Then you're gonna go to Google and search for that, handcrafted engagement rings, but you're also gonna wanna rephrase that in a bunch of different ways. Try different variations related to that. There's no science to this. It's literally just thinking through different ways to find this type of product. So like unique engagement rings made by hand, um, engagement rings that aren't mass produced, handmade engagement rings, like anything that comes to mind, you're gonna search Google for and see what comes up. And then going through through the thought process of someone who would be looking for this type of product also think through like the questions they would search for at any given stage of their buying journey. So like, how do you choose the best handcrafted engagement ring? 
What are some center stones for handcrafted engagement rings? Where do you buy handcrafted engagement rings? When should you buy a handcrafted engagement ring if you're hoping to propose? Like, why choose handcrafted engagement rings? You're gonna (laughs) go back to like eighth grade library class of research and you're gonna think through the who, what, where, when, why, the different ways to search for things. You're gonna pretend you're doing a research project and just see what comes up in Google. So this is just a game of paying attention, being observant, being curious, being exploratory. You're going to pay attention to those Google search results when you type in these questions, these phrases, and you're going to see what kind of content comes up. So what's there already? What's not there? What could be better? Where are gaps that could be filled? Asking yourself these questions is going to give you ideas for content that the internet doesn't already have and needs or content that you don't already offer and think would benefit your target audience. And when you have these general ideas that come from your observations, you're gonna wanna make a list. Maybe you wanna just open a Google Doc, a spreadsheet, wherever you wanna keep it, just things that you find or observe. And then once you have that initial list, you're gonna wanna take it even further and kind of keep coming up with more keywords and phrases that kind of make sense for these topics. So continuing to come up with variations of how people would search for these things in Google beyond your initial search. So going back to episode 238, I did give a brief definition of what keywords are, but just to refresh your memory, Keywords are like words and phrases that people type into search engines like Google to find whatever they're looking for. So I had given the example of if you're looking for a haircut locally in your city and you live in Los Angeles, you might start your search by typing hairstylist Los Angeles or best haircut Los Angeles. Those are all keywords. And to continue coming up with these variations of keywords and phrases related to the content topics that you start to brainstorm, you can just keep using Google again. And you already know how to do this and you probably don't even realize because you're so used to using Google. So now let's pretend you've seen a gap for content about tips for wearing jewelry when traveling. And your jewelry happens to be like very travel friendly because it's comfortable, maybe it's lower priced so people don't have to worry about losing it or getting it stolen or something. So you can go on Google, again, the homepage of Google, put yourself in the shoes of someone who may be searching for this topic about wearing jewelry when traveling and then try to query for that topic. So as a starting point, I would probably just start to type, click, 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 how to wear jewelry when traveling. And 
When I do that, I'm sure you've noticed this before, Google starts to auto-complete your query with related keywords and phrases. So it opens a little drop-down below where you're typing and it suggests like what, what it thinks you're trying to type or even similar ways to search for that in case maybe there's like a better way for you that makes more sense. And that's called Google Autocomplete. So when I happened to do that search and I typed in how to wear jewelry when traveling, I got a number of different autocompletes like how to carry jewelry when traveling. Can you wear jewelry when flying? Can you wear jewelry through airport security? How to pack jewelry for travel, etc. These were all suggestions that Google gave me. I want you to pay attention to those autocomplete suggestions because they're based not only on what Google thinks you might be interested in, but they're based on what other people are searching for, which gives you an idea of like the type of phrasing and language people use on Google when they're searching for a similar topic. And those ideas might inspire you to change your direction a little bit or refine your direction with your content topic or even maybe come up with a whole new idea for content. So if I'm taking this example for for my own content journey, maybe I have one blog post about how to wear jewelry when traveling. That could be more have like a style perspective, like how do you style jewelry uh, to get the most out of it? Because when you travel, you're not going to take your whole jewelry wardrobe. So how do you kind of incorporate that into your daily style? But then I didn't even think about, can you wear jewelry when flying? I would never even think that someone might ask that, but I think that is a common query because it came up in Google Autocomplete. So maybe I write a whole other blog post that's about, can you wear jewelry when flying? And like, What's the best way to do that? Is it comfortable? How do you make jewelry comfortable when you're flying? Is it advisable? So now I just came up with two blog post topics thanks to Google Autocomplete. And maybe there's another one about wearing jewelry through airport security. You're gonna have to really decide based on your target audience and what you think they need, which one of these is gonna like actually make sense for you. If it turns out after you think about it that your target customer isn't a big traveler after all, then like, don't do this. <laughs> don't don't go down this rabbit hole of all these like subtopics of jewelry and traveling. But if you are targeting someone who like loves to travel, then these are all amazing topics for you. And you've just come up with like a whole new list of things you can cover in your future content. So beyond just using Google, there's another site called Answer the Public, which is another great resource. It actually uses Google's autocomplete technology, but it will give you more ideas than you'll get just in that Google dropdown and it organizes it more clearly for you. So you'll get some great initial ideas there, especially around common questions that people ask Google related to your desired topic. All right, so let's talk now about prioritizing keywords using search volume and competitiveness data. So 
once you have your list, your huge brainstorm, you did all of this research on Google or answer the public, then you have to take this list of keywords and you have to check search volume and competitiveness, or another word for competitiveness might be difficulty for this initial list. So I defined these two terms in two, episode 238, but let me refresh your memory. So search volume refers to how many people each month on average are searching for that particular keyword. And then competitiveness or difficulty in this context refers to how many other websites on the internet are already ranking for this keyword or using this particular keyword. Knowing these two numbers will help you answer the following questions about priorities. So is it worth creating the content to try to rank for this keyword? Can I outrank my competitors for this keyword? Can I improve upon something that already exists on the internet and outrank my competitors? Because again, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, content takes time to make. And we wanna make sure that you are only making the content, prioritizing the content that will help you rank in Google if SEO is a goal that you're trying to pursue. So you will need a tool to check search volume and competitiveness. That's not something you can just know from looking at Google. So unfortunately, there I mean there used to be a lot of great free keyword research tools, but of course they're all paid now because they're great and they deserve to make money, but I'm going to recommend one for you that has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and I'm also gonna give you one other option. So you can use Google Keyword Planner, which is free, but it's only free if you have an active Google Ads account. So if you do advertise on Google, you can take advantage of Google Keyword Planner, which will show you search volume and competitiveness for any keyword that you type into there. But if you don't advertise on Google and don't have a Google Ads account, then obviously that's not a great option for you. The one I recommend is called keywordtool.io, and I'll link that in the show notes. I don't have any affiliation to it. I don't get any benefit from recommending this, but I find it's the most reliable one And they don't offer a free trial, but they do provide a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can use the tool for 30 days to do all your initial keyword research. And then if you don't wanna continue with it or you're not happy with it or you're not using it as much as you think you would, you can ask for a refund after that 30 days. So when you sign up for keywordtool.io, all you'll do is type the keyword you want to know about, and then it will show you other ideas, alternative ways of phrasing that keyword, which is good to know anyway, because maybe the way that you've chosen to phrase it is not the way people are searching for it in Google. And then it will also show you the search volume and the competitiveness 
not only for your keyword, but also for all the related keywords that it suggests. So to give you some guidance around those numbers that you'll see, competitiveness is ranked on a scale of zero to 100. And if you've never looked at keyword competitiveness before, it probably won't mean anything to you. But zero to 34 is low competitiveness. 35 to 69 is medium competitiveness and anything above that to 100 is high competitiveness. So as you can imagine, you want things on the lower end of competitiveness. Those are the ones you want to pursue because they're not already dominated by like a ton of websites and especially the bigger retailers. When it comes to search volume, if it's less than 100 searches per month, that's super low. That means only 100 people or fewer are searching for that keyword every month. So that's probably not worth pursuing unless you are super niche and like someone searching for that would come to your website for sure. I would say 100 to 1,000 searches per month is a good happy medium. If you start getting into the multiple thousands or 10,000s, Yes, you're getting more people searching for that keyword, but it probably means it's more generic and not specific enough to what you are selling. So it's kind of all about finding the right balance of a lower end competitiveness with like a mid-sized search volume. Those are all about, those are the things that you wanna pursue. So. The next episode after this one will be all about SEO copywriting. So once you settle on your list of keywords, I'll explain how you'll actually take those and incorporate them into your new content as well as even in your old content. So stay tuned for that. But for now, in this research stage, you wanna come up with a list of let's say 25 just to have some options and to give you ideas for optimizing your content. And then to think ahead a little bit to get your brain in the right space. For any given page or blog post on your website, you're going to target one main keyword and then two or three variations per page. So with SEO, how can you see what your competitors are doing and how can you know if it's worth trying to like one up them with your content? Again, this is all about going back to Google and doing what I suggested earlier. So searching for words and phrases related to your business. If all, if you search for something and all the main players like Etsy, Amazon, and the big box jewelry stores are dominating the first 10 or so search results, then you basically don't wanna bother with that keyword. But if you see smaller brands are coming up or even no well-known jewelry businesses are coming up in those search results, and you find out that that keyword has decent search volume, then this could be a great opportunity. If smaller brands are coming up, then see what's the content that's ranking for that keyword. Is it a blog post? Is it a product page? Is it a landing page? Could you do better than them at the content that they have? 
Could you make something that's longer or more more thorough or even more interesting? Then that keyword is probably a good option for you to pursue. Okay, that's it for now with our lesson today. Much more to come in future episodes. Next episode, we'll be talking about SEO copywriting. Go to joyjoya.com jump for additional information, action items, and more to help you understand keyword research and uncovering content opportunities. Before we get into the gold mine, as well as my jewelry marketing news roundup, I want to share a case study of a jewelry brand that I think embodies what I talk about in this podcast. These are my thoughts about how I'd apply the lesson to a jewelry brand in the wild. Disclaimer, this brand's not my client, so I don't have any inside information, just sharing my observations. So the brand I want to talk about today is JTV or Jewelry Television, and I want to talk specifically about their referral program. This isn't related to SEO specifically, but I think it is related to content marketing and storytelling and customer acquisition, which is something we've been talking about throughout the episodes this year. So JTV's referral program rewards customers who refer new customers to the site. The Sparkle Ambassador program, as they call it, provides existing customers with a unique referral link that they can share with their friends and family. And then when someone new makes a purchase with the link, both the person who referred the new customer and the referred customer get a $25 credit. So some of the perks of this program include brilliant cash rewards, access to exclusive content, asterisk, asterisk, highlight, highlight, exclusive content to help spread the hashtag JTV love and the feeling that you're empowering women. The program is designed to incentivize customers to spread the word about JTV and then reward them for doing so. So the main things I like about this, one, it's a way to acquire new customers, which we love, that's great. It also rewards your existing customers and makes them more loyal and more likely to come back, especially if they have $25 to spend on their next purchase. And it also gives them a chance to do some content marketing by proxy, because as they say, they're sharing exclusive content with their ambassadors that if they feel inclined to do so, they can reshare on social media, or within their own like personal networks of friends or whatever. And they can tag it by using the hashtag JTV Jewelry Love. So I was more, I was curious about this and I searched for that hashtag on Instagram and there were more than 11,000 posts in total. Obviously I didn't go through all of them, but just looking at some of the top and recent posts there was definitely content from Sparkle Ambassadors. So just normal people, normal jewelry lovers, just sharing their love for JTV and then using the hashtag to promote their enthusiasm. But then there were some other posts from JTV or from hosts who work on the channel. I would say if there's room for improvement here, I think more effort could be done to get those Sparkle Ambassadors to post and share content and to utilize the hashtag. 
Also, I'm not personally a Sparkle ambassador, so I don't really know what type of content JTV is sharing with them. But I would say overall, they make it really easy and straightforward to kind of be part of this exclusive group. So really anyone can capitalize on the promo and then choose their level of investment. But I think the best part about this is it could potentially result in JTV earning a customer for life. So I just wanted to share that as a great example of pairing content marketing with a customer loyalty or referral program. What do you think? Let me know in a podcast review or YouTube comment. All right, let's get into the gold mine. The gold mine is a regular segment of this podcast that's a little more personal, sometimes a little more woo-woo. I talk about topics in entrepreneurship for jewelry business owners, mindset, motivation, optimizing your performance in your business. So this week's topic, I want to talk, it's going to be mindset. I want to talk about getting out of the default mindset that having a business is giving yourself a job. Because I think a lot of small business owners don't realize that like, That's not the end goal of having a business. You should not be giving yourself a job. And let me explain what I mean. So Tracy Matthews from Flourish and Thrive, she talks about this in her book, The Desired Brand Effect. And I believe she's talked about this on her podcast too. But it's a concept that was first introduced by this legendary business book called The E-Myth Revisited. And I'll link that in the show notes too if you want to check it out and read it. But the main takeaway of the e-myth, if I was to summarize it in one sentence, is that most small business owners work in their business rather than on their business. And that's like the biggest mistake you can make and the biggest way that you'll be setting yourself up for burnout and eventually failure because it's just gonna be too much to deal with. And this topic is on my mind this week because it's something I frequently come back to and have to remind myself of. And particularly, I've been trying to remember that the goal of being a business owner should be to create freedom for yourself and not to just give yourself a job. Because most people start a business not just because they have a passion for something, but because they don't want to be employed by like the man or work at a nine to five that they hate and to have that freedom. And then they forget that that's like the main purpose and the main reason for business. Once they get into like the daily drudge work of it. And this is something something that comes up when I speak to newer jewelry business owners on discovery calls. I think the problem is that most jewelry business owners, and maybe you can relate to this, go into business because they're good and talented at making and or designing jewelry. But here's the thing about that. That's amazing and wonderful, but that qualification doesn't mean that you're automatically that you automatically know how to run a business. So what happens is 
this person who is super talented at designing or making jewelry ends up creating a job for themselves, a job that's probably more rigorous and demanding than any job you'd get if you were like actually hired by another business. So again, just because you know how to make beautiful, amazing, desirable jewelry does not automatically mean you know how to run a business that sells beautiful, amazing, desirable jewelry. And please don't misunderstand me because I'm not saying that as a diss, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying that as the reality. Like, the entrepreneur mindset is not inherent in everyone. And reading a book like The E-Myth can help you see the ways that maybe you can run a business better or more efficiently. So these are just some quotes from the book. If your business depends on you, you don't own a business, you have a job. And it's the worst job in the world because you're working for a lunatic. And then the purpose of going into business is to get free of a job so you can create jobs for other people. I think most people don't go into business thinking those things. They just think I'm good at something, I'm gonna try to sell it. Now let's be real here for a second. When you're just starting a business right at the beginning, it's kind of hard to not give yourself a job because you likely have very limited resources, so you can't hire someone right away. You're putting in that sweat equity. You're working like 50, 60 hours a week. But that at the beginning should not go on for the entirety of your business's lifetime. You should be thinking right off the bat, okay, this is where I am now, but what can I do to build this into something that can exist freely of me and that I'm not like beholden to? And for a lot of people, the one thing holding them back from that is actually that their identity is also tied to the business and to being in control of everything related to the business. So in some ways, our egos keep us like tied to it in a way that's going to result in burnout and frustration and exhaustion. But if you can kind of detach yourself from having your identity tied to the business, having your ego tied to the business, and you can realize that your business needs to be an entity apart from you, and that the ultimate service as a business owner that you can provide to others is to allow the business to be separate from you so that it can grow You can find systems and build the business in a way that doesn't need you. And then you can finally gain that freedom that you really deserve. And the reason why you created a business in the first place. This is all a big theoretical question, a big challenge. I don't really have any good answers, at least not an answer that's going to work as a blanket one for all the different individual scenarios of all the people who listen to this podcast. And I think it takes time to figure this out, how to like free yourself of the business and at least some toiling at the beginning. But I want to leave you with this. Is your business running your life or is your business enabling your freedom? If it's the first option, then I would say check out the E-Myth 
do some soul searching and ask yourself if you're standing in your own way or do you need more resources and support to get to the place that you really deserve to be. So what do you think? Have you ever felt bound to your business in an unhealthy way? Tell me in a YouTube comment or a podcast review. I'd love to know your thoughts. All right, let's get into the news roundup where I share three relevant articles related to jewelry or marketing. So the first one comes from dallasinnovates.com and it's Dallas's Elong 23 partners with Immerse, Immerse for live stream jewelry shopping and digital clienteling. So it was a pandemic trend, but it's still going strong. Live stream shopping is a great way to storytell and bring customers into the brand. So Elong 23 has partnered with a live commerce platform to bridge the gap between in-person and online shopping, providing customers with a more personalized and intimate shopping experience. Definitely when you help people in person, you can interact with them in person. It's so much more intimate. It helps the business build relationships with their customers. But that's not always possible, not just because of the pandemic, but because maybe people live far away or they're traveling or they just can't come to your store or they're busy or they just don't want to. They want to shop at home in their pajamas. So to help bridge the gap, Elong 23 is moving into digital clienteling, which offers personal presentations and live streams of trunk shows. And then the customer is able to chat or have a live video call with one of the sales associates and associates can walk customers through the store, showing pieces in real life and sending corresponding links to the customer to purchase online. And these live stream trunk shows, according to the article, have enabled Elong 23 to connect with coast to coast clientele and many of the products. It's so exclusive the way that they show them and so immediate how the customers can purchase them. They don't even make it onto the website. So my main takeaway is this just emphasizes again that live stream shopping wasn't a pandemic fad, but in fact, it's a way for a business to connect with customers anywhere in the world and meet them where they are. It prioritizes convenience and also maintains the entertainment element of shopping for jewelry that everyone loves. The next article comes from Facebook official and it's called new features on Instagram reels, trends, editing, and gifts. Do you have a hard time keeping up with making reels and constantly coming up with new ideas to delight your audience? Instagram recently released some new features for reels that promise to make the creation and measurement processes easier. I know Instagram is always releasing new features and I don't talk about a lot of them on this podcast because I think they're kind of like not important, but this one I think is actually really useful. So first with this new release, you'll be able to easily see what's trending on Reels. So there's a dedicated destination in the app for you to be inspired by the latest trends. You could see the top trending songs, how many times the audio has been used, and then tap in to use it or save it for yourself. You'll also be able to see trending topics and hashtags in one place. So to get there, go to your Instagram profile on the app, click a button that says professional dashboard, which is right under your bio, I believe if I remember correctly, and then you'll see 
um, reels trends. And it's also easier now for you to edit your reels on Instagram by bringing together video clips, audio stickers, and text in a unified editing screen. And then also when it comes to metrics, Instagram has added total watch time and average watch time. So it's easier to see insights while viewing reels directly. The main takeaway is I've heard from a number of jewelry entrepreneurs that keeping up with reels content is one of the most demanding aspects of being active on Instagram as a brand. And I think these features are actually useful, as I said. So hopefully we'll continue to see new features that help creators like you for your jewelry business make the best content possible without the constant headache. And then the last article is also about Instagram. It comes from Adweek and it's called Instagram remains a priority platform for marketers. Here's why. So with more buzz around TikTok these days and businesses increasing frustration with the Instagram algorithm, it's kind of surprising to learn that Instagram remains a priority for marketers. The global social media trends report from HubSpot and Brandwatch has discovered that a slight majority of marketers, 51%, plan to increase their spend with Instagram because they find there the largest return on investment and the most growth potential. Honestly, I think that's really fascinating, especially with the growth of TikTok. So they also see it as a great place for customer engagement. They get the most quality sales leads. It's the best place to grow a brand audience and they find it's a better place for community building. And this one really great quote from the article from Justin Pohl, Associate Marketing Manager of Content and Social Strategy at HubSpot, In 2023, to save money, marketers can lean into one of the big trends in short form video, low budget casual videos. You don't need expensive full studio production to be hip right now. Your smartphone, a sense of humor, and a call to action might be all it takes to create the perfect video for your brand, end quote. It's accessible, you know, anyone can do it. So don't think so high concept or like super polished, of course, make it professional, show your jewelry in a beautiful way, have fun with it. But like this can be done casually. And another thing marketers find is that when it comes to discoverability, Instagram has the best search capabilities. So my main takeaway is, are you thinking about giving up on Instagram? Don't stop just yet. TikTok TikTok may not be your cup of tea and it may (laughs) even end up getting banned. But Instagram is still the social media platform of preference for many marketers and the numbers support that. Did you have questions about Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart? You can always email me Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're completely new to digital marketing, then you'll want to purchase and read a copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy. Visit joyjoya.com book for more information.